Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. We put so much time and effort into Christmas as a church because it is such a huge opportunity for us to reach people. You know, 92% of people in the UK celebrate Christmas. We will never have an event or an activity that that higher percentage of our community are engaged with. You know, with almost everybody celebrating, it's easier then to invite people. Come and, come, and, come and have part of your Christmas with us as well. You know, people are more sentimental at Christmas time. People are more open to things that they perhaps wouldn't. I think we're never more traditional than we are at Christmas time. We all have our things that we do every year on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or Boxing Day. Um, it's the time of year where people are more reflective. As we come to the end of a calendar year, people are more likely to make life-altering decisions. The times where we give out the most bags and the times where we see most new people come to church is in September and in January. And it's around Christmas time that people are starting to reconsider uh, their life and the direction that their life is heading in. And as Stuart said on Sunday, people are 10 times more likely to come to church at Christmas than they are at any other time. So we would be foolish not to put our energy into Christmas. And it's, I think it's the biggest open goal that we face as a church. And I want to encourage us not to be like Diana Ross. Not, whoa, 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 stop, 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 stop. Oh, dear. It's because we didn't practice it. We don't practice midweeks. Um, I want to encourage us not to be Diana Ross. You know, in the 1994 World Cup, Diana Ross was invited to be part of the opening ceremony. And I can imagine the conversation with the producer and how it went with Diana Ross and her agent. So what we're going to do is we're going to have loads of, loads of music, loads of colour, loads of people dancing. It's going to be huge. You're going to come on. You're going to sing. I'm coming out. She comes out. I'm coming out. I want the world to... And what we're going to do is, because it's football and it's the World Cup, we're going to put a massive goal on the pitch that you've seen that you shouldn't have seen already. And we're going to put a massive goal there, and then we're going to put a ball on the penalty spot. And Diana, you're going to score the first goal of the 1994 World Cup. And then the best thing is, when the ball hits the back of the net, the goal is going to explode because you've hit the back of the net so hard. And it's going to be incredible. And it's going to be a really key moment in the opening ceremony of the 1994 World Cup. Do you want to see what happens? Some of you might remember it. Let's, let's have a look now. Go. She missed it. With millions of people watching around the world, she missed an open. The best thing is, somebody still pressed the button to make the goal fall over. They're like, let's just pretend. VAR, she, it really went in. Like, I don't want us to miss this open goal as a church. I don't want us to be Diana Ross. And so turn to the person next to you and say, this Christmas, don't be Diana Ross. We're not going to miss this opportunity. Listen, in 2023, let's not miss this open goal. And so what I want to do tonight is inspire you. You know, if you're already excited about it, I want to inspire you to be excited more. If you're thinking, please, Andy, don't make me invite somebody from my office, I'm going to motivate you. And I want to motivate you to think that you can get involved. And so what I want to do is look at some scripture, 
look at some stats and then you're going to hear some stories as well. There's loads of scripture that I could have used to talk about inviting people and why do we bother with Christmas. Stuart used the Great Commission on Sunday, uh, which is really good. Leon in a few weeks is going to be talking about the parable of the feast. I want to talk about the woman at the well. And I don't want to specifically talk about the encounter with Jesus that the woman at the well had, because there's loads in that and I haven't got time to look at it. But I want to look at what follows it. You see, this woman has this life-changing encounter with Jesus at the well. And then this happens in John 4. It says, then, leaving her water jar, so leaving the very thing she went there to do, she leaves that, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, so she, she's had this encounter with Jesus And then she goes back into the place that she came from before she had that encounter with Jesus to those people to talk to them. She goes from the encounter with Jesus to the people of her town, to her world. Listen, we're we're going from these encounters with Jesus to the people in our world, to the people in our town. And she says this, or it says this, it says, she says, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever done. See, the essence of Christmas, the essence of why we're putting on Christmas Fair and Jingle Jam and Christmas Remix and Christmas Eve and Christmas Day is we're giving you an opportunity to say, come and see a man. Come and see this fellow called Jesus who's changed my life. Come and see, come and have a look. That's the whole point of what we're saying. It's an invitation to come, come and see, come and have a look. And then she says, could he be the Messiah? I love the way she phrases this. Because she poses a question. Rather than going, he is the Messiah, she poses a question. She doesn't necessarily offer a solution. She gives almost like a a proposition, something to intrigue them. At the moment, I'm reading um, Stephen Bartlett's book, 33 Laws of Business. Stephen Bartlett's one of the dragons on Dragon's Den. He's kind of part of this Diary of a CEO podcast. Um, And his third rule of business is that you must never disagree. And in it, he talks about a conversation he had with Tali Sharot, who who is one of the top neuroscientists in the world. And what she she conducted a study, and she kind of they scanned uh, people's brains as they were making some decisions, and they the two people had to agree or disagree. And what they found was when when they were scanning the brain, when the two people agreed, the brain came to life with activity. And it came to life with all this movement. And they found that the, when, the, when people agree, the brain is more open to receiving new information and processing it. When people disagreed, they found that the brain shut down. And it goes into defense mode. And it was far less likely to take on new information. And she says this in the conversation. She says, if I start with something where we have common ground, then you're more likely to listen to me. You're more likely to see me as an agreeing partner and be more open to what I'm going to say next. Now, the woman at the well didn't know that, but I quite like this, that for you to go into your office or your workplace and, and, and not start with an argument, but go, why don't you come to church? Could change your life. Not it will, but it could could be the answer to the things you've been looking for, you know. Like posing a question, pointing it, pointing it out, not, not getting defensive, and, and, but finding a place of common ground with people. 
And then it goes on to say this. It says, they came out of the town and made their way towards him. And then it says a bit more, but it goes on to say, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. I love that. It says many. doesn't say all. doesn't say every single one of them became a Christian and believed in Jesus. It says many. You know, you might invite lots of people. Not all of them are going to come. Not all of them are going to say yes to the invitation of Jesus. There was one lad um, in our in youth ministry, in, in Life Central Youth, as I was leading it, who for seven years invited the same group of mates every year to Christmas, every year to invitationals that we, we used to do. Every year, every event, everything, 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 once one lad turned up and he never came again. And I used to say to him, mate, the point is you're inviting The responsibility isn't with you of whether they come or not. The responsibility is on you to invite. And, you know, they believe, though, because of her story. She shared her experience because you can't argue with that. She didn't lead with, let's talk about the theology of creation. She didn't lead with the prophecies that Jesus had fulfilled. She didn't talk about suffering. She talked about her own experience. This man told me everything that I've ever done. Come and have a look. You know, you might be sitting there going, Andy, but I don't want to walk across my office and invite somebody and then ask me what I think about predestination. Listen, you don't have to know everything to share something. Share what you know. And what you know is what you've experienced. Your story, your own journey. You might be sitting here or watching online thinking, I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian. I just like this place. Well, say that. Just share that. When you invite someone, say, you know, I think I'm a Christian. I'm not sure what I believe, but I like being there on Sundays. It's a good atmosphere. It's making a difference in my life. I'm not sure whether I believe everything that they do, but it's pretty good. You should come. That's a good invite. That's a really good place to invite. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to know everything that Leon does and stand up in your office with a big TV. and, a, and a, you, know, you don't have to do that. Just share your story. And I want to say this. It's, it is a come and see thing. But I want to challenge you a little bit. Don't let Leon be the first person that tells your friends and family about Jesus. You do it. Have a go at sharing your story with them. But don't force it, do you know what I mean? Don't just, excuse me, like calling a meeting. <laughs> don't, don't do that. But find a way that you can share your story before they come. So then they, they hear your story. Then they hear what's said from the platform. And then on your way home or you're having, you know, hot clog and a mince pie on the car park, you can unpack it further. Don't let Leon be the only person that tells your friends about Jesus. And then it goes on to say this. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged them to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves And we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. My prayer is people go home from Christmas, whatever event they come to, saying, I know that this man, Jesus, really is the saviour of the world. Listen, you could look at what we do at Christmas and think it's all tinsel and china lights and all, you know, fun stuff. It's not. You know, if people only come and experience Life Central at Christmas, we've missed it. The point is they come to Life Central and they experience the saviour of the world. 
That's the prayer. That's what we're about. It's not about bums on seats or tickets sold or mince pies given out or, you know, feet through the door. It is about people encountering the saviour of the world. I want to share some statistics that might encourage you a little bit. Um, this time last year, Barna Group did a survey, and they found this, if we could have it on the screen. They uh, looked at the spiritual openness levels among US adults and teens, but US and UK are quite similar. Um, and it found that 32% of adults and teens have a high spiritual openness This was measured, so spiritual openness is based on a four-point scale, measuring a combination of factors, including belief in a spiritual or supernatural dimension of life, belief in God or a higher power, positive feelings towards spirituality, and self-described spirituality that is open, exploring, or curious. A third of people, a further third, consider themselves moderately open to spirituality. I find that fascinating. I find that encouraging. And I actually looked at it and went, I'm not that surprised because that's what I'm experiencing. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing more and more people in our world open to, not perhaps God, but they're open to something higher than them. They're open to something bigger than them. We're having people come to us who have experienced nightmares for years and years and years. And they say to us, I've tried every new age technique. I've tried time on the doorposts. I've tried all of this stuff. The only thing that made a difference was Jesus. And they come open. We've got people coming to us who are, who are you know, thinking about crystals, thinking about manifestation, all of this stuff. Our world is far more open. And hey, it's not just younger folks. Have a look at this. They tracked it across generations. And it doesn't change that much. From Gen Z to elders, it's still about a third that are highly open. I love that it's significantly higher in Gen Z. That's that's why we invest in the next gen. (laughs) That's why we invest in the next generation in this church. Because teenagers and, and kids are far more open to spiritual things. But no matter what age you are, your friends and your family, two-thirds of them, they're open to spirit, something higher. They're open, they have a spiritual openness to them. And then there was a, there's a UK study being done by the Evangelical Alliance, Phil um, was a part of us, uh, joined us a couple of weeks ago. Loads of you are now part of the Evangelical Alliance. Um, And uh, EA, Alpha, a bunch of other people did a survey, and they found that one in five people, so 20% of people, believe that Jesus is God. So if there's 10 of you in your office, there's you, and statistically one other person in that office that believes that Jesus is God. One in five people already believe that Jesus is God. That's a little bit of an open goal there. And then they found, I love this one, this should encourage you loads. 36% of non-Christians said that they found themselves more open to an experience or encounter with Jesus after a conversation with a Christian. That's one in three of your friends is statistically likely to be more open to an encounter with Jesus after a conversation with you. One in three. I think those are pretty good odds. I think those 
are pretty encouraging. Those stats show us that we can be encouraged that people in our world, our world is open, our world is interested, our world is curious and seeking encounters with a higher being. Let's make that encounter with Jesus. I've shared some scripture, I've shared some stats. Let's hear some stories of some real people in our church who have been on this journey that we're encouraging you to be on. And so I want to invite Rachel and Steve to the stage, and I'd love you to put your hands together and welcome them up. You're going to have to keep it going. You're going to have to keep it going. We've got, got stools to set up. Great. Grab a seat, guys, and we'll get you a microphone each, if, if that would be great. Brilliant. Welcome to the stage. Uh, so, Rach, you've been part of the church for a long time now, um, but your husband, Phil, has been coming two years, in the last two years, has made a decision? Um, he's actually been coming about four or five okay. years. Okay. But um, he made a decision in the last uh, couple of years, yeah. Great. Follow Jesus. But for, but for, for a long time, we were praying, you were inviting. For a long time, he wasn't part of the church, and it was just you coming along. Just talk to us a little bit about that journey and how long it was and what that felt like. Okay. Um, so I've been coming to the church for nearly 20 years now. Um and uh, I came on my own. <laughs> I had family here, but um, yeah, it was just me for a long time, me and my, little, my then little boy, Sam. And uh, I used to invite Phil every year to Christmas. And um, initially he was a little bit reluctant, but um, he then started to come and he really enjoyed it. Um, I think he felt really... I think a lot initially it just really dispelled his ideas of what church was really like. Um, he got these kind of fixed ideas in his head of what church was like, and I think it helped to sort of settle that down for him in his mind. Um, and then um, as time went on, he started to look forward to the Christmas stuff. But he, he wasn't coming to church in between. No, he wouldn't come to so church. So he was between. only coming at Christmas yeah, time. Yeah, he would only come at Christmas. Uh, and then. Um, we had several, I, I was working, I was here on staff for a while and uh, um, we had a huge fire and um, some pretty amazing things came out of that for us because uh, um, we used to have a hair studio in the church and I used to run in the, work in the hair studio and it got destroyed in the fire and so um, I found myself redundant overnight and so... Um, we had some really big, amazing things happen there that really uh, impacted Phil. Uh, and so the following Christmas, he came again. And that's when I think, you know, he began to start thinking, hmm, there's something in this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, we ju he just he slowly started to increase. Then Easter came. And uh, I'd, I'd started to pluck up the courage to invite him to Easter. <laughs> and he'd started to come on Good Friday. And he'd wow. really enjoyed the Good Friday service as well. Uh, and then uh, he then um, decided on the... Um, I'm trying to think now of what happened. I think he, he just... 
He came to a friend's baptism, and this was uh, the week before Easter, and then he decided then, he'd already agreed to come to Easter Sunday, and then he decided to come Good Friday as well, so he was coming to all the Easter stuff. And this is all over like a 15 This is over like, this went on over 18, 19 years of just me just praying and... And were there times in that where you felt like it was futile? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) A lot. Um, yeah, it was really difficult to start with because Phil came from just a non-Christian family. He would have considered himself an atheist. And so I think for quite a long time he thought he was married to a crazy person. <laughs> and those of you that know me know yeah. that I can be a bit crazy yeah, we know sometimes. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, I really love Jesus, so I talk about him quite a lot. So um, right. I think he did think I was a bit crazy for a while. Um, but, um, yeah, God was good to me and, uh, he kept, uh, he encouraged me at the times I can distinctly remember having a moment in the bedroom when I thought this is just never going to happen. Mm. He just, he's just not interested. And I really did feel like giving up. And it was not long after that when God did something really amazing and suddenly bang, Phil's, it was it was like God just gave, he actually gave me a picture of Phil's ear and he said to me, I've got his ear. Wow. And uh, that was it then. And lots of other things happened along mm. the way, which could take me all night to tell you <laughs> I won't. Tell uh, us about the moment, Rach, where Phil gave his life to Jesus and you were like, gosh. finally. <laughs> Try and do it without crying. <laughs> Uh, so, um, fast forward, by then, uh, he came every Christmas. I didn't even have to ask him. He was there. He was coming. He'd started coming to church, as I say, from um, the Easter um, after the fire. And then um, he, last year, we had a lot of big things happen. Uh, and some of you know the story of Lily. And Lily came into our life. And Lily started coming to church. And... Phil was really moved by Lily's story and actually having a part, playing a part in mm. helping support Lily. And um, as he watched her really embrace Jesus after her first visit, um, I think that's when he really started to open up. And mm. then um, it was Easter Sunday last year that Lily and Phil both put their hands up Come on. and gave their life to Jesus on Come the front on. row. Uh, and I was sat there and I actually remember Alison looking at me and I hadn't even clocked that they got their hands in the air because mm. I got my eyes closed and then I looked up and realised they both got their hands in the air. So good. So yeah, I, was, I couldn't quite believe it. Mm. And then Phil and Lily were baptised. They the, both got baptised together on the along same with Sunday. Steve. And on the same Sunday as Steve, which moves us nicely onto you, Steve. Steve, you've not got a background of church. Just tell us what life was like for you before being a Christian. Were you thinking about God? Was God a part of your life? I'd say that God was really never on our radar as as kids, as adults. Um, We grew up in what I would consider, much like Phil, really a a staunch atheist family, you know, God was never part of the house. Mm. Um, we had a, a wild childhood. It was it was interesting. I think my my earliest memories as a as a child would have been would have been visiting various different prisons to see dad when he was away. Um, so given his background and his 
his activities, um, God was just not with us really. I think we we were lucky because we had we had mom. Um, I'm the youngest of three brothers. Um, as I say, dad, dad was never at home, so we were lucky to have mom. So mom created an atmosphere for us to to not follow dad's path. Um, but but God was never part of that function, and and that continued really into adult life. Mm. You know, um, I'd never thought about coming to church. Um, I never wanted to come to church. Um, if I needed anything, I'd go to mom. If I needed advice, if I needed help, I'd go to my mom. That's it. Mm. That's the only person. So how did you end up coming to church at, at Christmas a couple of years ago then? Like, if church isn't, God's not on your radar, how did you end up here? Um, so I've been coming in, it'll be two years, Christmas. Wow. Um, so I think prior to that, um, we kind of, we shift back two years really from there. Um, so two years prior to me, me coming to church, mum passed, mum passed away. Short time after that, my ex-partner, who's the mother of my children, also passed away as well. Wow. Um, so my situation at that time really was I had, I couldn't help my children with the pain that they were in, but then the person that I need to go to to get advice and help isn't there. So I'm at this point just completely lost. Um, and it spiralled quickly, mm. you know, um, People on the outside of my life felt my life was fine. You know, I, I you know, I, I had my own business. I was, I was married again at that time. Um, it wasn't. I was. My affectionate term for it is, I, I was a functional drug addict. Okay. So, I would just use to just dial the pain down, um, and I, it continued in that way really, and that's what we did. Um, prior to that, sort of. Just before coming to church, obviously, you kind of get all of the, the guilt and the harm that that creates and the shame and everything else that happens with that. Um, and my wife had kind of said to me, oh, will you, will you come to this, this Christmas carol concert at Live Central? And I'm thinking, oh, please. <laughs> it's, it's, it's probably the only time I've actually asked God to help me out of anything. <laughs> um, and I think I, I couldn't really get out of that at that point because I kind of I needed to sort of show some willing with everything else that I was doing as well and actually one of the things that we we were speaking about recently was that um on the she kind of did a sales job on me which is terrible because I'm a salesperson as well <laughs> and, she, and she basically used the fact that there were there was going to be a street food event in the car park um and you, Andy you know me I'm never missing a free meal <laughs> So we kind of thought, okay, I better go then, I better go. Um, sadly, I think COVID spiked, didn't it? And actually yeah, that, we had that, to cancel that, the yeah. street food. So not only did I get dragged into church for a <laughs> Christmas carol, there was no, there was no free meal. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it like then, like uh, at Christmas, did you walk in and fall to your knees and say, what must I do to be saved? Like, what was it like on that, on that Christmas event for you then? <sighs> No, none of that at all, okay. to be fair. I think it was very much, I'd, I'd come, I'd, I'd done my job, I'd kind of pacified the wife and off, <laughs> off I trotted and it was fine. Um, I come back in January, if it's probably mid-January, I come back again. Um, and I think between that, that, that Christmas and 
January period. I think it got it got quite dark. I think it, it was you know my life was at a point where the guilt, the shame, everything else, and then you actually start to question between life and death. Mm. You know, do I want to be alive? Do I want to be? Do I want to just die? You know, I can't cope with anything. Mm. So I decided to come back in January, um, and I kind of came and I sat, as I said in my baptism speech, Rage, way at the back down <laughs> there somewhere. Um, and Leon spoke over us, and Leon used the words, not dead, not done. Mm. That changed my life. Wow. In, in an instant, I, I can't even explain the feelings that I had at that time, the feeling of warmth, the feeling of joy. Mm. Um, I cried a lot that day um, at the back of the church, but just with joy, it just felt like a release to mm. me. Um, I had to make a decision, you know, am I going to be done or am I going to do something else with my life? Um, and I wouldn't say it changed it, I think, you know, it, 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 I felt that warmth, I felt that joy, mm. but actually I didn't really understand what was happening to me. So I made the decision there and then really to, to come back. Um, and I think for probably eight weeks I come back and it felt very much like it was just me and whoever was speaking in church on that mm. day, just here on our own. Wow. They spoke solely into me. Yeah. Um, and it just started to shed those layers, that, that guilt, the grief, um, the pain, the heartache, to actually see um, a way out of the situation I was in and actually to give me some purpose back in my life, mm. to, to allow me to to stand here, this is difficult to stand here and say this, um, but to to give me some, you know, if, if I can help anyone else, mm. if my words and my journey can help, then, then it was worth it. So good, Steve. Thank you so much, guys, for sharing with us. You know, I asked I ask these guys to share because I really think these guys' stories could be your stories, but also, like, the the, the kind of opposites of it of like the long term and the short term we can we can overestimate what God wants to do in the short term and underestimate what he wants to do in the long term but like if you're inviting somebody like year after year and all they ever do is come to Christmas and never say anything again ask them again this year it might be the year it might be 19 more years to come who knows ask somebody out the blue who's never been here before you never know it could be a quick turnaround <laughs> And what, what we realised early on is like both Phil and Steve, when we were chatting earlier, they would both be in the low category. And so even though two-thirds of people are moderately and highly open to spirituality, don't give up on the low people. Don't give up on the people in your life that you're looking at going, they're never going to follow Jesus. Have a bash, go for it, have a try, ask them, throw, throw the hook out and see if they bite. Um, I want to thank Rachel and Steve uh, for coming up here. Why don't you just put your hands together? We're going to, time is running away from us, but we're having a lovely time. Um, I want us to, to pray in a moment, and I want to I challenge you to think about three people. We've used a third, one in three, quite a lot. I want to think, I want to challenge you to think about three people that you can invite to something this Christmas. 
And, you know, you might want to think about the hook in the water that you're inviting them to. Um, I today invited three people, uh, one to Jingle Jam and then two to Christmas Remix. One said they're already coming to Remix, so I need to find someone else. Um, one said they can't make it, one said they'll get back to me. But many came, not all. And so we're not going to get 100%. If you're stressing about all of the details, we've put together a podcast. We've had some great feedback on the Life Central podcast about parenting through Halloween. We've done another one about how to get better at inviting people to church. We had such a great conversation that we had to split it into two parts. Um, but that's, being, that's out now. Part one is out now. Uh, you're able to get that if you want to don't listen to it now because we're not done but if you want to listen to it in the morning on your commute or whatever that's some really practical tools but I want to do inspiration and so I want to invite everybody to stand to their feet and I'm going to give you just a few moments to think, to pray, to ask God who are, who are three people that I can invite this year Aren't people watching online, live or on demand don't just switch off because we moved into the response time. Really lean in. Who, who for you at home are you wanting to invite this Christmas? Three people, three families, three connections. Maybe just close your eyes and ask God to, to reveal to you who. to do is get into threes there's a theme get into threes and pray for those people now listen if you're not used to praying out loud if this is a bit weird for you that's absolutely fine let me give you a tool all you need to say is dear Jesus I pray for insert name here that they would respond to the invite to come to insert event here amen it can be as simple as that. If you, you know, if you want to use more words, then use more words, please do. But I want to encourage you, move now as the, as the band starts to play. Get into threes and pray for those people that you're going to be inviting this year. And then we're going to start to sing. It doesn't have to strictly be...